Welcome, one and all, to Picard, a Star Trek podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial voice of the Star Trek universe. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Bonjour, Pete. Hello, Matt. Hello, everyone. Here today talking the entirety of Season 2, the middle act of Star Trek Picard. And indeed, Pete, before we dive into the the multifaceted thing that was Star Trek Picard Season 2, I have to note that uh, we were talking Star Trek Strange New Worlds just yesterday. That on its dedicated feed, as well as the all-encompassing pop culture podcast. Yes, uh, now that we've been able to talk about the two episodes we saw at the Red Carpet premiere, so great to talk with our listeners and uh, viewers about that, and looking forward to diving into more. Uh, in the meantime, Matt, we got a little Obi-Wan Kenobi just a little over 10 days away. I kind of can't believe it because this has been the the promise and Obi-Wan sequel return story thing back when it was a movie before Disney Plus, etc. Uh, and to know that we are 10 days away, it's uh, certainly exciting for something that is specifically promised to be a limited series. Uh, so I think in addition to just kind of setting long term expectations, it's like these six episodes are the movie. So definitely excited to talk with everybody about that. You can find Kenobi, a Star Wars podcast by Fantastic Geek over on Apple Podcasts, also on FantasticGeek.com. We'll be bringing you those first two episodes that weekend. But Matt, to bring it back to Star Trek Picard here, definitely a season that I think people have a lot to say about. Indeed, and it had the virtue or perhaps the burden of having an amazingly strong season opener, one that felt so familiar and kind of felt like almost a return to Star Trek of old. Uh, The episode itself is sparkling and wondrous. What's interesting is the rest of the season kind of isn't about what the season premiere is about it's just about the things that that first episode sets up i think i would agree in part i think they bookended the season very strongly i think the premiere and the finale are very very strong it sags a little bit in between i definitely think there are some high points i'm still a little hurt about the voyager uh cameo actor misdirect live anybody do you go get that guy and he's not playing that guy we had before when one of your showrunners was a pa on voyager and knows this like that to me was really distracting and i was still holding out hope oh wait q just died but this guy's a time cop guy and he's gonna bleep 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 and put us back on the bridge of the stargazer um yeah yeah you might be pitching a storyline i would have liked better uh i I don't know um it it does perhaps lead credence to the kind of convention uh era rumor i'm trying to think who it was was it ethan phillips the neelix actor or was it uh dr flox someone of that ilk you know saying they had been asked to audition for a star trek show and it was like um 
having done all these seasons of Star Trek, I do not audition for Star Trek. You can just bring me back, even as a different character. So perhaps there's some, the one hand, the older hand and the newer hand, not quite meeting in the middle or whatever. Um, but Pete, this also a season that I think gave us more depth and more time, more ensemble uh, with the former La Serena crew uh, even though we said apparently permanent goodbye forever to some of them by the end of the season. Well, I think they were, you know, trying to serve a, a couple masters that it proved difficult. And then you had the lid about to be blown on the season three cast with the return of the next generation and I think that kind of overshadowed the rest of the season from the time that they announced that on first contact day back in April. Um, you know, I really enjoy and from reading and, and watching in a lot of corners, people really enjoyed the new to Star Trek uh, performers on Picard. And we did not lose all of them. Okay. You've still got Michelle Hurd, you know, from the beginning. You've still got Jerry Ryan, okay, joined, uh, you know, middle of season one and, and became a regular for season two. Um, and it doesn't preclude future involvement. I mean, the the Rios, okay, I don't think we're going to get, uh, you know, Santiago Cabrera coming back from the 21st century and, you know, piloting a starship. He got a gig on the flight attendant and, you know, okay, went off and did that. Allison Pill moved from LA to New York. Um, I haven't seen specifically what she's doing there. I don't know if she's doing theater or not. Evan Evangoria seems to have been just kind of like a, a casualty of the shift of the cast. Um, you know, I, I've seen stories decrying this. Oh, they were cast aside and this and that. You got two seasons out of them and Allison Pill moved into a bigger billing in season two. And Matt, if you're going to go out, that's the way to go out. Well, I think I would agree in principle, but I don't agree in sentiment. And I think that part of it is the knowledge, as you said, we can see the arc that somehow in season three, they need to clear out a whole bunch of space for the entire TNG cast. So as we're in that finale, and the finale is essentially using very valid story uh, conclusions and so forth, you know, dispensing with characters after two seasons. I think the fact that the fact that we're at the butcher shop seeing it get done and knowing why, you know, for as excited as I think every Picard fan is to get the TNG cast back for for next season and all but likely, you know, the final season of Patrick Stewart's tenure as Picard and the final outing for all these characters who have been beloved since 1987 etc still it's like well can't we do both can't we still have but you know is this not a streamer can't you keep them around and say you know 
say, well, we're going to do an you know, extra episode or a Star Trek short trek or whatever it is. So I think that there's a bit of that there. And I think, too, for as much as we have loved the TNG cast for so long, um, you, you know, we as viewers, we are fickle people. We are enjoying the latest romance. And if the latest romance is the Star Trek Picard, um, you know, regulars, and now all of a sudden that's taken away because, you know, the old flames are returning. Uh, okay, I'm looking forward to that. But in the, in the here and now, uh, I mourn the loss of uh, of Rios and uh, and Elnor and uh, and Jurati, Queenie Jurati, etc. Well, I think two of them got pretty solid send offs. I think, again, Elnor, all right, you, you brought him back from the dead. We never thought that he would be dead for good. He's floating around out there. And, you know, this franchise now, you can return to these characters. So the idea that he could, you know, show up on another show, you know, throw in a cameo here, what have you, is definitely a possibility. Um, I'm not going to lie. I far appreciated the the role and, you know, the connection he had with Picard in the first season, you know, kind of this grandson type of situation. And, you know, there was a lot to try to do. I just recall talking to you about the ninth episode and, and how, in the finale, they would have to land so much. And I, I think they did that and found space for Will Wheaton. Um, you know, so I, I think mission accomplished that being said, you know, all right, you're gearing up for the, the final season now and to see how everything shakes out. What has this show been? It, it's been a look at Picard long after uh, you know, we ever thought we'd get to see him again to, to go through what he did in the first season and, you know, to lose his life and then to be put into this android body um, and then to do the, the time travel adventure. You know, you got Guinan, you got Q, like there's an awful lot to like in terms of what they did. And it was not just fan service they they really dug into it i would agree and i think that there are many high points in this season however the experience for me was rather like the first two seasons of parks and recreation uh the first season six episodes the second i think 22 so kind of functioning as one season if you will um in that by the end of that second season you can see that they have figured out what works, what doesn't. You can see the trajectory for the piece that doesn't work, the one character being shown the exit uh, graciously, graciously nonetheless, but being shown the exit um, and fine-tuning who you want, how much you want, and so forth. So I, I just mentioned that because it, you know, on network TV, more often than not, you can spend... 22 episodes or 22 episodes plus actually finding the show that it's meant to be part of me feels like this 10 episode season uh, which is of course one third of the entire offering of the series much of the season was finding out what the show wants to grow up and be next season well i think they leaned heavier into 
the action potential of the show. You, you felt that in every aspect. Is it possible that after the super strong premiere, they never lived up to that? Like I said, I have a real fondness for the season finale. Um, I love the way that they rounded the relationship between Picard and John Delancey's Q. I think they did that really well. I particularly enjoyed the way you had Whoopi Goldberg's Guinan um, narratively cap off Rios' story. I, I thought that was handled really well. Um, you've you've got your Raffi seven of nine burgeoning romance now very interested to see where that goes in in season three and you know hopefully what we're going to take out of the end of picard is the idea of, of jerry ryan doing some more star trek and getting the you know top billing or you know leading a series i mean she's essentially helping to lead the series here even though pill was billed higher up um but yeah, I think the trajectory remains up. And what is it? We're going to end on the high note. We're going to end on what everybody wanted that they were adamant had to be earned. So, you know, I, I think we've done everything we've needed to at this point. I will disagree that the production or Star Trek Inc., you know, Kurtz Trek, whatever you want to call it, I will disagree that they are actively eyeing a Captain Seven at this point. And I'll tell you why. I think that we have been so trained by the Marvel Cinematic Universe to A, look for hints of things down the line, and B, to get a little nugget and then be told, now wait three years. You know, how long ago was it, Pete? At the very end of WandaVision when, uh, when uh, you know. Mephisto? <laughs> not Mephisto, <laughs> but it's like. That time Mephisto? Well, wait, um, w w you have friends up above? How up above? <laughs> up there. And that's, I guess, a, a setup for Secret Invasion, which is probably... My aeronautic engineer friend? Yeah, like, j just again, my point being, I don't know that, I don't know that the, the current, you know, Star Trek brass is necessarily setting up some far-flung future, two years, three years, of Captain Seven. Now, can you keep that door open? Sure. I think knowing that you've cleared the deck of most of your Picard season two regulars, that the returning folks are Patrick Stewart, Jerry Ryan, and Michelle Hurd. Well, you need somebody to sit in the captain's chair and say, pull us into an orbit, you know, and things like that. Whereas, um, you know, it's, it's not going to be Commander troy retired it's not going to be dr crusher uh dean of starfleet medical and so forth um so i guess i guess that's my way of saying i love the seven character i love how she's been used for the last season and a half could i see that her future is the one who gives the orders and then says all right picard be careful down there, for as you know, once as a captain, I as captain shall stay with the ship, but you shall beam down because it is a Star Trek Picard. <laughs> and then the story goes with beloved icon Patrick Stewart, Jonathan Frakes, Michael Dorn, LeVar Burton, Jason Fadden, Brent Spiner. And occasionally it's like, wait, there's space static. 
can't talk to seven um i don't know hey terry madelis who by the way was a the the co-showrunner of season three and the showrunner or co-showrunner of two sole showrunner of season three uh, he had been asked on twitter or somebody had said i can't wait to see terry madelis you know what terry madelis could do all by himself with the star trek series his reply was star trek picard season three so we'll see when this guy gets to run the show he wants to run what it looks like to bring it back to season two to talk seven here and vis-a-vis that the, the rest of the cast i mean look what they were able to do with her in this season to strip her of the borg enhancements to be able to explore the character from that and then quintessentially come back to what she is seven is a former borg drone that has to have that connection that that's part of her identity and coming to grips with that uh and dramatically so because she was mortally injured and the uh the new borg queen i just wish we had a name other than gerardi you know uh a, a way to make a distinction um but uh you know saves her there and, uh, you know, again, it, it felt like that's where it all needed to end up. I don't think anywhere in the near future we will hear stories of behind the scenes uh, troubles or whatnot uh, for this season of Picard, uh, Picard. And I want to stress again, though I'm highlighting some of the parts i didn't like overall i definitely enjoyed the season um but star trek does have a way of letting these things out i would wonder if maybe some of these things that we've discussed as uh bear threads or things of that sort was it a case that it being a covid era production and you're already moving slower because you're keeping people separated and there's more time from you know hair to makeup and so all of that stuff that did they maybe see some of these issues happening in real time but there just wasn't the ability to be like hey let's come back after thanksgiving and we'll just do two weeks of pickups instead and i'm making up dates here but you know instead it was like no we're gonna hit that break and then everybody go do what you need to do and go have fun and go be with family we're not expecting you to be covid bubbled uh, back on you know uh, come December first or something like that, and, and maybe there just wasn't the time to make some of these adjustments. Yeah, I mean that's it's certainly a possibility. I think given all the conditions, given everything they had to do, they still did yeoman's work. Um, you know to to nail it as well as they did in that premiere. Okay, the the rest of the season kind of meanders a little bit the you know the guessing game of when they would go back to the future and how much would be there and all that um could have done with a little bit more cue i i felt like he would have been a little bit more involved i don't know if that was a covid situation or not i mean you, you had plenty obviously of sir patrick stewart understandably it's his name on the show um but it it felt like you know they they really held delancey back and he had done a lot of talking about how much 
he was in the season. Um, but it felt like, you know, when he was in an episode, it was for like two scenes and then he was out. Um, but, you know, everything with Allison Pills, Gerardi and the, the level to which they took it this year, the, the whole, um, you know, dark future storyline, you know, everything they gave you with that. Um, they front loaded, uh, the, the stuff in the past was, was hard to match that. I think that's the unique challenge of, of Star Trek. You know, you do these time travel stories and, you know, we can all name the, the super great ones, you know, we can all talk about city on the edge of forever and Star Trek for the voyage home. And then there's the time travel to modern day LA that they do on Voyager. That's not on that level. Um, Is that the episode so, where Sarah Silverman <laughs> plays a character who asks Tuvok, what's that thing in your pants? Listen, okay. So we could use some more Sarah Silverman in, in Star Trek. Okay. Uh, she is not what is wrong with that episode. Um, well, maybe if Star Trek does a time travel episode or episodes taking place approximately 20 years after the late 90s time in which she appeared, she could then appear as her character again. Oh, wait, you had that opportunity all season in Picard. I know. And there were people saying, oh, we're going to see Gabriel Bell because they mentioned Cisco in the early part of the season. You know, the the middle part is is clearly the the lesser portion of this season but look at what we even got there i mean matt if i told you before the season okay we're gonna explore picard's love life we're gonna find out that uh q is dying we're going to meet picard's ancestor uh on a number of occasions and flesh that story out we're gonna find all about uh Picard's mother and uh, this guilt that he had carried forever that he was somehow responsible for her suicide uh, and do the things with uh, Gerardi, okay, Seven, Rafi, um, to a lesser extent, Rios, all right, uh, and then have Brent Spiner mugging it up, okay, and somehow find a role in the past for Issa Brignone's. Um, I, I think you'd be like, wow, that's a lot going on, and I can't wait to watch it. Pete, you mentioned Q before, and you mentioned Powerless Q uh, a couple moments ago. Here's an observation of mine, okay? We like Q at the best of one of two extremes. One is so endlessly powerful that we are as ants. That's pretty, that's good story stuff, but better, more beloved is when Q has so little power that he is the ant to us, i.e. naked Q, i.e. what's my rumbly and my tumbly? Am I dying? No, you just need some paschettis on your plate. So keeping that in mind, and thinking of you know, how you had said Delancey spoke about how much he was in the show, if only they had used Powerless Q to kind of be 
part of it. I understand the story as constructed. Like Q was more like, I, I nudged you, and then you figured out. You went right. through a series of personal journeys, and and that was the gift. But could you imagine Delancey there with the the sideburns and the mustache, and it was like Detective Q going along, and like he was part of the crew to help solve things, and it'd be like. You know, uh, why does this light device not work? No, Q, it's a flashlight. Push the button. Like, that would have been super fun as opposed to he sits by Renee Picard and does a snap and she laughs at a Tracy Torme novel. I agree. I've got to wonder to what extent the network is like, all right, you're going to have this many gentlemen of a certain age starring in this many scenes like you you've got to balance it out oh yeah and this is going to be filmed entirely during a pandemic um i think it's a tough sell that being said i i think powerless cue that they gave us particularly at the end i mean that performance in the final episode you know speaking with picard in the solarium and then again outdoors before he sends them back into the future is just that's all time Q stuff. I mean, obviously, because that's the end. Um, but, you know, having been an adversary for uh, the, the star of this series for so long, I mean, that's the thing I keep coming back to, Matt. You know, <laughs> uh, Patrick Stewart has filmed his 10th season as this character like we had no right to ever expect that i know one of the highlights for the season uh for me was that absolutely gorgeous stargazer set and now that we know that the set is back though not for the stargazer in season three a couple of things come into focus first is uh i dare say pete somewhat Somewhat, uh, I don't want to say vindicated because it was it was just a theory that I had thrown out there. But the notion that they had used season two money to make a great thing for season two, but also as an investment for season three in terms of this really, really complex and fantastic set. Um, th that certainly appears to be the case. Uh, also, I think of some of the photos that Dave Blass and some of the other people in the production had tweeted showing a like a brighter vert, you know, like the, the bridge with the lights turned on. Um, right. And, and I don't mean to say like production lights, you know, overhead things to light the actors. I mean, just where it looks like a brighter set. Now I kind of go, Oh, I get it. You were doing slightly underlit for the stargazer. And then you could turn the lights on all the way and have it be the splendid bridge of, you know, Pete, uh, look, I'm sure you're on this way more than I am. I know that there was one, photo from season three from that bridge tweeted out and over on the on the one uh i think that's an ops station that for the stargazer shows the stargazer it had now a different design of a different ship and then they had to pull the tweet down and had to put the picture back up with that box blurred out because it showed the outline of a ship uh, uh, look it's going to be an enterprise looking ship whatever they call the class and it's going to be you know the enterprise e or pardon me, the Enterprise F or the Enterprise something. And I'm here for that too. Yeah. And again, that we're in this really unique situation that we're talking about the end of the second season, the third season, the final season has wrapped. We've had 
this, you know, major attention grabbing announcement of, hey, all your old favorites are back one last road trip. Um, you know, I, I've seen people point to uh, Picard seems to be writing invitations in that teaser. So that would lend credence to Laris returning, who we've not been told isn't. I mean, she ends the season. They're they're holding hands. He's asked her for another chance. So logically, that backs up. Um, I just don't know that you can fully judge this season until we have the entirety of, of the run. You know, you look back at the first season that there were, uh, you know, things that people pointed to like this isn't working and that isn't working. And then, you know, you turn around and like, hey, people were all over Allison Pill and like, oh, she's she's this. And then she gets brainwashed and now she's murdering. And, you know, you look at the turn in this season and, you know, featuring her up and what they allowed her to do, you know the the sequence at the gala and the singing and then you know the physical stuff and then the prosthetics and all of that you know really really turned it on um i mean she got a another gig that she's gonna be you know a, a little happier who knows what the family situation is you know it's gonna present more opportunity it seemed like the the character had had run its course um, you know, I, I think I go back to the old, you know, don't, uh, cry cause it's over smile cause it happened. And, you know, Star Trek is better from having, uh, Dr. Agnes Gerardi. Well, to go back to Laris for a second, it is my hope that in the third season, she's able to discover that, uh, Jean Picard, like all Soong type androids is in so many ways, fully functional. <laughs> um, only you would go there. <laughs> well, look, Pete, Laris spoke. Laris, I don't need that, you know, keep it cheeky, checky, like she said, you know, uh, in the in the Irish, um, you know, pronunciation. Uh, but yeah, don't. Yeah, don't do that. Uh, to go back to Gerardi, I. I don't know. I, I, I maybe even off mic, Pete. I was not a fan of her. Uh, Gerardi, not Allison Pill. Allison Pill, wonderful. I was not a huge fan of Gerardi in the first season. Um, I think there were times where I'd state my state my piece before we started to record, and I'd say, "All right, I, you know, I don't need to, I don't, I don't need to be a silly goose on the podcast." But I certainly found myself enchanted by the character. Um, let's say the pre Borg version of the character in the second season. Um, I am still gobsmacked to think that she's not part of the third season as Gerardi, which by my, by my thinking, Gerardi prime still could have hung around, even though there's now a time traveling Gerardi Borg, but fine. Um, just the notion yeah. she's not in it at all. The mechanics of their return were a little wobbly. Like there were versions of them on the stargazer that correct me if I'm wrong, Matt, the temporal mechanics point to, they would still be there. Um, 
Yes. I, so that, but yes, they were returned by space deity. So, you know, there's that suspension of, of disbelief. I mean, look at Gerardi's arc over the two seasons, you know, roboticist who always wanted to work with the data type synth that ultimately gets to meet up with uh, Soji and a, you know, not a planet full of, but a planet of those types of synths gets to spend more time with them, goes back into the past, develops this somehow workable uh, relationship with the Borg queen and then goes off and does that. You know, she's still there. Matt, I'm sure that uh, Kirsten Beyer has a Gerardi novel on deck. Well, that certainly would be fun. And I think maybe you and I are sleeping on the vibrant Star Trek novel uh, corner that is going on. Um, because I do tend to forget that that exists as a place for some things to be handed off. You know, nobody does it better, of course, than Star Wars, where it's like, you know, I mean, we have characters like uh, Chris Anton uh, coming from the comics, making their way to live action and all of that. Um, and I even think of the, uh, there's the um, Pike's Enterprise novel, the title of which has escaped uh, me, but that was, you know, their their time away from the Klingon War and whatnot. That's a, a very, very fun read, perhaps a tad long, but a very fun read nonetheless. Um, so I would certainly welcome that, that, you know, like if, Star Trek Picard season three with the TNG cast returning and kind of a necessary cold producer decision to be like, we don't have room for 15 cast members. It's not even a pay thing. It's just who's going to say, let's beam down and who's going to say, let's bring phasers. It can't be all 15 people. We got to ax, got to ax cast here. So be it. If that's then an opportunity for some really great, uh, secondary uh, media to be created, then then bring it on. I mean, who knew the Borg Queen? And can we talk about Annie Wershing for a minute stepping into this role? Okay, you know we talk about Q and you know the upfront announcement that he would be returning, and you know at least my expectation there'd be a little bit more of him. Holy moly, Matt! The amount of Borg Queen we got in this season was surprising and really well done. And a real treat. Um, great to have her back on our podcast sensors, uh, having having uh, watched her on Marvel's Runaways. And she did a wonderful job. She really, really did. Uh, and in circumstances that maybe were not always ideal for the actor, i.e., ton of makeup and then you go to a set with limited people on it because of story and i don't know maybe to a certain degree in a, in a non-covid universe it would have been you know borg queen running rampant in the streets of los angeles you know and you get the actress to be interacting with more people but the part was what the part was and you never ever got the sense that she was anything other than the borg queen authoritative period despite the fact that two other ladies have played the role before her um so for her to for her to be 
in a sense, defining the role as the third person to it, that in and of itself is a huge compliment. And then to get Guinan to return and then something, you know, neither of us saw coming in a young Guinan and just the tremendous job that Ito Agayeri, um, you know, just nailing the mannerisms of Whoopi Goldberg. And I, I think, you know, I, I largely agree with so many of the decisions that they made for story. And you don't know the external factors that may have influenced them. They run a pretty tight ship in terms of like not hearing, oh, there's madness and, you know, craziness going on. I mean, we tend to only hear it on the showrunner end uh, when it's happened with more recent Star Trek. But, you know, to have her come in and do this young guy in role and to make it all work, um, you know, she's got a fan in me. I'm interested to see what she pops up in next. Pete, I know that I have been beating a certain drum all season and this will finally be the time when I lay down my my drumstick. So let me ask you this, Pete. Though you are not a taxpayer in the great state of California, <laughs> do you think that the California Film Commission's allocation of $20.4 million to make this season of television the single biggest allocation in the history of the program, uh, the California Film Commission program, was this money well spent? Did you get a sense of Los Angeles? Yeah, I think I did. And and maybe that's kind of the problem. I mean, you think of the number of scenes in MacArthur Park and then, you know, um, we're inside the Disney concert hall. Yeah. We're outside the Disney concert yeah. hall. We're at the Disney concert hall, which is now alternate future execution hall. Yeah. I, and again, all right. So Sir Patrick you know, he commands a rate. Uh, you've you've got to hit that first, and then you've got to be on the level of what we come to expect with a Star Trek story. Um, and you know, back to the real, real of of what you've talked about in building this tremendous starship set that we use for the first episode and for the final episode that conceivably will be the the main set for all of season three i mean i really can't see them using la serena again as la serena could you use the space much like star trek discovery has converted uh you know the uh uss shenzhou to the section 31 ship to uh you know, 32nd century Starfleet headquarters, I could see something like that being redressed there. I, I would agree that I cannot imagine them building the Stargazer bridge set at the beginning of the second season and barely use it in the second season. I was wrong on that. So now we'll double down and say, I really, really can't imagine them not spending a lot of time in the stargazer style bridge set now uh perhaps a you know i guess pete a game we could play some other time is what will the new 
Enterprise Class B. But, you know, on the new Enterprise Bridge, surely they're going to spend a lot of time there next season, right? I, again, I can't see them not. And to talk about that layout of, of funds of $20 million financing in part this production, it, it'd be, yeah, really, really difficult to not see it being involved on a, on a greater level. Um, but Matt, you've heard what we think about it. Let's talk to the people on Twitter and see what they had to say about season two. We asked people to reply with their thoughts and to crank up the boom box. Pete, that's a classical reference. Okay. Uh, and all season I've avoided the straight numbered polls here for Star Trek. What with the haters with their eights haters. Uh, so here's, <laughs> but I, I, Pete, I had to do it. I had to do it this time. So one star, 2.8%, two stars, 11.1%, three stars, 19.4%, and then four stars, 66.7%. So there some, are four stars. There are, there are four stars. Some replies, James the Sagacious, that's at Big Killing on Twitter, says, great send off for Q. Hopefully we get to see some of these characters in the upcoming Trek Avengers slash Section 31 series. <laughs> um well, on that, and and I don't mean to interrupt you, but what if, Matt, so, you know, Picard's going to end, and other than Lower Decks, we won't have anything in that immediate next generation vicinity of a live action variety. What if she could uh, come back Seven of Nine in the um, Section 31 show? What if you could get Allison Pill to play her great great because everybody in the star trek future <laughs> looks like they're their progenitors so allison pill can play her great great grandma um uh zagna uh gerardi <laughs> and you know there can be a a vulcan guy who has lots of emotions named uh grebnor played by evan evagora who's who's recruited by section 31 because they know he's part romulan um even though nobody's had a look at the romulans ever ever and all of that so sure pete they can all come back that is the beauty of star trek as a brand where you can zip and zop through time uh let alone this season firmly said look we know it's a little wacky that all these people look like the people that they're related to guess what we want orla brady in more than a couple episodes so she looks like this other lady who might be related to her deal with it uh because because brent spiner has done it for 20 years so you know it, it, it's all part of the fun pete next up we heard from jt adkins jta is me i appreciate that they were willing to take the time to tell the story they did and that they wrapped the jean-luc q relationship so sensitively without galaxy altering consequences also their willingness to risk leaving space exploration behind for this many episodes paid off I'm glad to have come along for the journey and for Picard's epiphany to be earned over many episodes rather than just a snap of Q's finger. I think this season will age well as a fitting chapter in the Enterprise, pun intended. <laughs> Next, we hear from Spider-Ham Lincoln, Tess LC139. Well, it wasn't bad. I heart, uh, Pete, that's the emoji for love, okay? I love time travel slash alternate universe stories, and season two really tried to do this well. 
but there was just too much going on and too many plot lines to tie up in the finale. Uh, some questions were left unanswered, such as, why were Talon and Laris identical? I don't want to nitpick, so I'll conclude by saying that I think they could have done better with a lot less going on. Despite losing Elnor fairly early, the writers seemed to find something for all these actors to do, and it was a bit much. A-plus for effort, bring on season three. Lastly, we hear from Jackie Wolf. That's at Jackie Wolf on Twitter. Overall, I loved the season. I'm currently rewatching TNG, and it's really interesting to see Jean-Luc through the lens of season two Picard. My only complaint is that this season suffered from too many storylines. If I had to lose one in order to more fully develop the other characters, I would ha- uh, have to choose the Rios storyline. Side note, I highly recommend the audiobook No Man's Land if you want more of Seven and Rafi's relationship. The lingering question remains with the Borg. Are we looking at a timeline change? There's been discussion on this. Uh, both uh, Gerardi's collective, which I saw somebody label or, uh, you know, propose the name the cooperative, which I really like. And, you know, the traditional Borg collective are still floating around out there. I mean, I'm hopeful, Matt, they're saying, oh, and they've left the show and, you know, somehow they can all put in an appearance in the in the final season. And, you know, that's that's show business. Right. I mean, we were told Will Wheaton won't appear at all. Well, Pete, putting in an appearance in this season finale is Admiral Fred from the Netherlands. Hello, Matt and Pete, and all listeners to Fantastic Geek. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some little feedback on Star Trek Picard, the second season. I give this season an 8, and I'm really very happy to have watched this. But if I look back, it's mainly the memory lane aspect I like a lot. So seeing Guinan back, seeing Seven of Nine, seeing Q back, with a very emotional farewell at the end. That are the main things I like a lot. Also depending, of course, on my age and having seen The Next Generation when it came out. But this gives me very much a good feeling and hope for the season 3 with even more memory lane stuff. I also liked going back to the 21st century. Perhaps for this season it was a little long. But if you look back from the whole series, so after 3 seasons, it's probably not too much. It's, it's just right. Okay, that will be all. See you at Strange New Worlds. Greetings, all the best, Fred from the Netherlands. Pete, if Fred was a Goldilocks and these offerings were the three bears, he declares everything just quite right there. Not too hot, not too cold, not too hard, not too soft, and so forth. High praise there from the Admiral of the Fleet. I Listen, I think as an educated viewer uh fred knows what he's talking about uh season two gave us largely what we wanted and i i think it's very hard to come away with anything less than a a positive view of the season was it the highest of highs no but again it's your your middle act and they have the potential to end super strong as uh fred posited there with season three well, Pete, the potential for season three to be the next n- new live action season after uh, after Strange New Worlds, I suppose that's 
prognostication for another day, but it's the one that's done filming and there's no other live action Star Trek season that's done filming right now. Uh, so Picard could be back before we think. I don't know when we think it'll be back, but um, I don't know. Somewhere in the holiday season could be. I old. think there's an outside chance it's it's in this calendar year. I, I do. Uh, I have a hard time thinking they're going to sit on it. I mean, they they wrapped um, when back in February, right? I think March, March 8th, I think was the either okay. the start of filming of the last episode or the actual. Yeah, rap. they started filming in September. Yeah. Um, you know, so I would think late fall at the very latest early 2023. Um, so new adventures are around the corner. We're all salivating to see how the, uh, the next generation cast figures in. Um, Gates McFadden, uh, has 80 yard six episodes. We know these are far more than cameos. I want to know who the villain is, is, is Spiner playing a villain is the con thing from, uh, the season two finale somehow going to factor in, is this, you know, new, uh, you know, trans warp conduit that's different somehow the key to the. Uh, the road trip they're going on adventures, physical and emotional await. Well, Pete staying with us for all the podcast adventures are those who go to patreoncom slash fantastic geek, keeping this modest enterprise going as we make our way through the star Trek universe, Marvel cinematic universe, star Wars itself, a universe one might say. Uh, so our eternal thanks to those patrons. Everybody who contributes gets access to exclusive podcast content. Takes just a dollar a month to get you in that door. Can't contribute right now? Get yourself over to Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating in seconds, a review, and just a short while longer to any of our now 30 podcast feeds. Well, Pete, the hailing frequencies shall certainly remain open uh, as as there are Star Trek's old and new discussed, announced, and so forth. So how can people be in touch with you on Twitter? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 12,464 followers. Can't be wrong. And while I'm personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, do be in touch with the podcast. Comment on FantasticGeek.com. Check us out on Twitter instagram gmail where we are fantastic geek as well but wait there's more facebook.com slash fantastic geek with the p and the h all one word like it today when next will we talk about star trek picard well pete it won't be for first contact day because that came and went uh perhaps it'll be convention news over the summer uh, or the fall star trek day on september 8th no one can say at this point for now though I know that we're going to keep talking about the Strange New Worlds over on the Pop Culture Podcast feed, getting ready for Kenobi, Ms. Marvel, and beyond. We'll be bringing in Lower Decks some point later this season as well. Presumably August, one can hope. I feel like Lower Decks in August is just a perfect, just, just perfect. Uh, but now, Pete, it seems time has come to an end for this season of Star Trek Picard. So I will say adios and give you the final word. Talk to you soon. Thank you.